So glad you're here with us uh, today, and I want to share a special message, something that uh, God put on my heart, and uh, I want to talk about a word, uh, an idea that is probably one of the most distinctive aspects of Christianity. At the same time, it's probably one of the most misunderstood. It is something that draws people to the Lord, and it's also something that uh, can be a huge stumbling block and cause so many people to, to have problems in following the Lord. When Jesus was on earth, it's what drew thousands upon thousands of people to him. But at the same time, it's what caused him to be nailed to the cross. So what I want to talk about here is the word grace. Now, grace can be understood in a lot of different ways. But uh, for now, for this moment, for uh, this conversation, what I want to do is give you a working definition of grace. Again, there's a lot of ways to define it, uh, but when I say working definition, I mean a, a definition that will help you uh, prayerfully walk this out, to apply it to your life and apply it to the lives of those around you. So here's the working definition of grace. Grace is that which is freely given and totally undeserved. That which is freely given, yet totally undeserved. I've done a lot of counseling for marriages, uh, husbands and wives, uh, parents with kids, adult children with their parents. And so often I'll hear from them something along the lines of, they don't deserve me to, and you can fill in the blank. They don't deserve for me to welcome them back into our home. They don't deserve for me to give them this kindness. And I'll, I'll so often say, you're right, they don't. That is why it's grace. They don't deserve those things, but by doing it, it's grace. If they deserved it, it's no longer grace. It's, it's their reward. It's what they've earned. It's their paycheck. Grace is freely given and totally, 100% undeserved. And we all need grace in our lives. It doesn't mean there aren't boundaries we need to set. It doesn't mean there aren't times where we need to uh, say to somebody, you can't access a certain part of, of, of my life because you're dangerous, it's unsafe. But grace is something we all need given to us and it's something we all need to give. Here's what it says in the book of Hebrews, chapter four, verse 16. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. We all need that moment where we can come into God's presence, when we can come to a friend, a family member, and both give grace and receive grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you that here now, as we spend just a little bit of time diving into your word, God, would your Holy Spirit illumine our eyes, bring us understanding, help us to not plunge the depth of your grace because it's immeasurable, but God, to begin to understand more deeply what grace is all about. In the wonderful name of Jesus, the strong son of God, I pray, amen. In the Gospel of John, there's a story, the remarkable story that's recorded for us. I'm not gonna read the story, but I wanna give you an idea of what was happening. So here's this woman. She is grabbed from a home 
And as she's pulled out of the, of the house, she's clutching to herself the flimsiest of, of garments, just trying to cover her nakedness and her shame. She's dragged through the streets in the arms of an angry mob. Just moments before that, she was in the arms, the tender embrace of a lover. Now she's being scorned. She's being ridiculed. And as she's dragged through the streets, she's thrown at the feet of a rabbi. She is a prop for the crowd. They are angry. They're condemning her for the sin which she committed. And they scream out, she deserves to die. And they ask the rabbi, what should we do with her? The law demands that she be put to death, that she be stoned to death. What does the rabbi do? He bends over. She thinks he's reaching down to grab a stone. But instead of grabbing a stone, he begins to write in the sand. He begins to write. We don't know what he wrote, but he just begins to write with his finger. She, thinking she's about to be put to death, stands as tall as she can, mustering whatever sense of dignity she could find. At that, the rabbi stands up and says, let he among you, without any sin, cast the first stone. She doesn't know what to make of it, but the crowd slowly begins to disperse. One by one they leave, from oldest to youngest. At that, the rabbi bends back down and begins to write again. Now she's standing and he's at her feet. He's no longer standing there in power, lording anything over her. But humbly, he begins to write. She thinks, now, now he's gonna grab the stone. Now, this rabbi who's holy and perfect will put me to death. But at that, he stands up and looks her in the eyes. And in that moment, she wonders, what kind of man is this? Because he doesn't stone her. Instead, he looks at her with love, with compassion, and says, where are those that want to put you to death? Where have they gone? I don't want to kill you. I don't condemn you. Now leave. Go from here and be different. Be changed. Go and sin no more. That is a remarkable story that starts with sin and condemnation, but ends with grace. And if you miss the part about sin and condemnation, then you miss the need for the personal application of grace. See, grace is all about the fact that we don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We all deserve death. We're all sinners. See, our story, your story, my story, it all starts with sin and condemnation, but it doesn't have to end that way. It can end with grace. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. Let him who has no sin cast the first stone. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Those words of Jesus are iconic. We all have heard them. Even people that aren't Christians have heard those words because we all can identify with that woman. We're all sinners. See, sin has its root in the idea, there's a Greek word, harmatea. And what it means is, it's an archery term. And it means that if an archer shot an arrow, if they didn't get the bullseye and they missed, it was called the harmatea, they missed the mark. You could have missed the bullseye by an inch. You could have missed the mark by a mile. 
it was still sin. It still missed the mark. And you and I and every human that's ever lived are judged by a God who's never missed the mark, who's perfect, who's holy, who's never, he's never wrong. And he said, I wanna give you my list of rights and wrongs of how to live. And we all at some point have missed that mark. We all need grace. We all need that idea that says, you've messed up. That's why when Jesus said this, and we read, I mentioned it earlier in John 8, 7, it says, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. See, Jesus knew exactly what that woman did, but he also knew exactly what the crowd did. He knew everything they'd done and he knows everything you've done. So when he says, him without sin, throw the first stone. He's looking at that crowd saying, you without sexual sin, you throw the first stone. You without pride in your heart, you throw the first stone. You who's never been arrogant, proud, boastful. You who's, who's never mishandled finances, who's never lied, who's never, you've never gossiped. You've never done anything wrong. You go ahead. If you don't have any of those things in your life, go ahead and throw that stone. And none of them did because all of them knew they had sin in their life. We all have sin in our lives. We all need grace. We all need that moment when we say, I have messed up. So here's something, this is a, this is a fundamental truth and it is something, again, in, in talking with people, whether it's in a counseling setting, whether it's in prayer time, whatever it is, it's something so many people wrestle with. But here it is, this is a truth that if you will grab hold of, it will transform the way you interact with people at a relational level. Here it is, every person carries wounds. Every person you will ever encounter, every person you will ever interact with, every person that will ever uh, rub against you, directly or indirectly carries wounds. They've been hurt, they've been damaged, they've been raised in a dysfunctional family, they've been mistreated in some way, they've been abandoned, they've been hurt, they've been, hurt. They've been wounded. We all carry wounds and as a result of the hurts in our lives, we sin. I, I've, I've had someone say to me, I, I, I remember it as clear as anything, I was talking to them about an issue that they needed to work out in their life. And they said to me, yeah, that's easy for you to say, I didn't have it easy like you did. I'm not comparing myself to them. I wasn't comparing myself to them. I know their story and it was hard. But what they don't know is my story. They didn't know the things I've walked through. They just looked and said, you've had it easy. Nobody's had it easy. Everyone is hurt. Everyone is damaged. Everyone struggles. Everyone has wounds. They're wrestling day in and day out with how to overcome temptation, how to overcome feelings of guilt and shame. Everyone is scared. Everyone is afraid. Everyone is damaged, wounded. Some people are broken. Some, some folks won't admit it. Some folks don't even see it. But the reality is every person you ever encounter is hurt, is damaged, is wounded in some way. And so what you and I need to do is we need to learn to see people through the eyes of grace. See, when Jesus looked at that woman, he saw what no one else saw. Everyone else saw an adulterer. Everyone else saw someone who had done some horrible act, sin, out, uh, the sex outside of marriage, some sinful thing. 
But what Jesus saw, see, Jesus did not see the sin, but he didn't just see the sin. He saw beyond that. He saw someone who was struggling with feeling accepted, with feeling loved, with a sense of belonging. He saw someone who was full of potential, who was living so far below who God wanted her to be. Let, let me, if, if you're a parent, you know this, but let me give you an insight into being a, a parent, a dad. I can look at my kids and I can see all the things that they're doing that, uh, that are wrong. It's easy to see those things. It's easy to see when they mess up, when they make a mistake, when they're unkind, when they're uh, just off the track in some way. We can all see those things. As a father, I can see that. But as a dad, as a parent, you know what else I see? I see all the potential, all that they can be, all that if they will uh, just apply themselves, if they will uh, see the value inside of them, if they will see all that potential, I can see as a dad who they could be. And if I can see that as an earthly father, just imagine what God sees when he looks at you. He doesn't just see your mistakes. He knows what you've done, but he knows what he's created you to do, who he's created you to be. He sees all that potential in you, and he says, I want that for you. I don't want you to live beneath your potential. When God looks at us, he doesn't just look and say, you sinner. He looks and says, oh, I've got so much for you. I want so much for you. He sees us through the eyes of grace. He sees us that way. That's how God sees you. That's how God sees me. That's how God sees all of us. So when Jesus says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. He's wanting us to, to realize grace is meant for everyone. But Jesus doesn't end there, right? What's the second of the iconic statements that Jesus makes in that story? It's this. It says in uh, verse 11, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's the, that's the other side of grace. Grace says, listen, none of us are perfect. We all need grace. But here's the amazing thing about grace, and this is what causes so many people to struggle with the idea of grace, is that grace is meant to heal, not to cover up. Grace is meant to heal, not to cover up. If we don't understand grace, we either eliminate it and, and we become legalistic. I'll give you grace once, now you better never mess up again. Or it becomes license to do whatever you want. But grace, the idea of grace is that it's meant to heal, not to cover up. It's meant to be a healing balm that's applied to a wound to heal it, not a bandage that just hides it. Listen, there is a way in which we can take grace and allow it to become license to sin. And, and we can't do that. We can't do that in our personal lives. We can't do that as a church. There, there, if there is someone who is living in a way that, uh, that is making a mockery of who God is, about the, the forgiveness that we find in Christ, who's unrepentant, willing, uh, not willing to change, and instead is, is flaunting it in some way, then, then we have to deal with that. We have to deal with that in love, but in truth. 
the leadership of this church, if we have to, we'll speak to someone as privately as we can and say, listen, we need to talk about this. We need, we need, to, we need to figure out a way to help you find victory in this. Because as a church, we stand for something. Collectively, as a church body, we stand for something because Jesus stood for something. So we have to stand on truth, but we also have to see through the eyes of grace. Listen to me. Who cares? Who cares if someone uses some language that's in a... Don't focus on the language. Don't focus on the dress. Don't focus on what they did. Don't focus on what they looked at. Focus on them through the eyes of grace and who they can be. Speak life into them. Allow grace to be that healing bomb that transforms them. But don't, don't use it as a cover-up. It's never meant to be a cover-up. I want to share a quote by Dr. James Emery White who said this, Grace is not accepting someone who says they are in Christ when they are living in a way that shames Christ. And they know it, but don't care. That's not grace at all. That's, that's allowing people to, to live in a way that is so far below what God's called us to. So, yes, we need to see people with the eyes of grace. But we also need to realize grace is meant to be transformative. It's meant to be healing. So if you take someone and you see them misapplying grace, and, and we all can do this. It, here's the thing. If you, it's easy to see someone else misapplying grace where it's hard is to see yourself misapplying grace. So forget about everyone else. If you see yourself misapplying grace, say, God, change me. God, I don't want to be that person. I want to be changed. There's a, there's a warning for us about this in the book of Jude. It says this in Jude 4. For certain people have secretly slipped in among you. There are people in the church, not this church, the church. Our church, we, we don't have this, thank God. Uh, no, there are people in the church that have slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ. We can't do that to grace. So when it says deny Jesus, it's basically it's saying, I'm denying the transformative power of what Jesus came to do. I'm denying that he's come in to change me. I just want license to live any way I want. That's not what grace is. Grace is completely free and totally undeserved. It's given freely. It's totally undeserved, but it doesn't mean live how you want. That's not grace at all. So grace is uh, meant to be tied together with repentance. Grace and repentance are meant to flow together. So what I mean by that is this. Grace, grace should lead you to repentance, and repentance should be met with grace. What you don't want to do is make it into a, a, a math problem. One plus one equals two. If you repent, then there's grace. Listen, sometimes the grace has to come first. Go and sin no more. Grace was there to change her. See, Jesus didn't just save that woman's life, keeping her from being stoned to death. He changed her life. Go and sin no more. Grace changed her. Sometimes grace comes first and leads to repentance. Sometimes repentance comes first and should be met with grace. I've talked to people who have, who have, 
figuratively fallen at the feet of family members and said, I'm so sorry I did that. Please forgive me. And grace, it's not met with grace. It's met with judgment, condemnation, chastisement. Fine, I forgive you, but get out. That's, that's not grace. So we need to realize sometimes repentance comes and it should be met with grace. And sometimes grace leads to repentance. But if that person never changes and just uses it for license, then that's a dangerous, dangerous game. And that's not what God wants for you. It's not what God wants for me. So I want to end with two questions. Here's the first question. Are you someone who likes to throw stones? Are you someone who likes to throw stones? As soon as someone messes up, you cock your arm back and you're ready to throw. Someone who messes up, disappoints you in some way, uh, speaks in, in, in a way that's not kind and you're just ready. How can you talk to me like that? Just constantly, you're just ready to throw stones. You don't measure up. You don't live up to my standard. You somehow uh, disappointed me. You hurt me. You let me down. You wounded me. And you just keep a record of wrongs and you're ready to throw stones. You've got a, you've got a sack of stones. And as soon as somebody messes up, you're ready to hurl your, your stone. You're quick to throw stones. If you're someone like that, you need to say, God, help me. I want to be someone who doesn't throw a stone, who throws grace instead. Maybe you're someone who doesn't throw stones at other people. You throw stones at yourself. I, I, all I can do is see myself as the mistakes I've made, my past, the way I've, I've messed up, the things I've done. All I can do is, is keep record of those things. I know how everyone else sees me. I know how I see myself, and it must be how God sees me. So you're not quick to throw stones at anyone else, but you're quick to throw stones at yourself. You say things like, I'm stupid, I'm good for nothing, I'm worthless, I'll never amount to anything. You're quick to throw stones. All I'll ever be is a failure. Stop, stop, stop throwing stones. Apply grace to your own life. But then there's a third kind of person who, uh, who likes to throw stones. And maybe not so much throw stones, but maybe you've had some throw, stones thrown at you. You've made some mistakes, really uh, public mistakes. People know about them. That arrest, that, uh, that, that time that you misbehaved in some way and, and everyone know, know, knew about it, talked about it, gossiped about it, and, and uh, you just feel like you're living life with a big scarlet A on your chest. It's that DWI that you had. It's that, that time where you just blew up in, in a public setting and yelled and screamed and acted in all kind of ways. And People have hurled stones at you. But what you've done is you've gone around and, and you've gathered them up. You've saved them up. Now you've got a pile of stones. And all you do is remember, this is who I am. This is who I am. People have said things like, you're just like your mother. You're just like your father. And not in the best ways possible, but in the worst. And you've gathered up all these stones. At some point, here's the thing. We can all gather up stones. Either throw them at someone else, throw them at ourselves, or gather up the ones that have been thrown at us. But C.S. Lewis once wrote this, God gives when he finds empty hands. 
So here's my second question for you. Not just are you someone who likes to throw stones, but this, will you drop the stones and give grace instead? If God gives when he finds empty hands, then you can only receive that grace when your hands are empty. See, God's always willing to give grace. It's given freely. It's totally undeserved. But if you're holding on to stones, you can't receive grace. If you're holding on to stones, you can't give grace. If you're gathering up stones because this is who I am, then grace cannot be applied to your life. So at some point, and my heart and my hope and my prayer is that here, now, in this moment, you would say, I'm ready to drop the stones so that I can receive grace, so that I can give grace. See, grace is the most incredible thing that God gives us. But if we don't understand it, it can cause us to stumble. It can cause us to never change. And that's not grace at all. But grace rightly received, grace properly applied to your life and to my life is truly amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and God, I'm asking that everyone who's heard this message, God, it would speak to some aspect of their heart and their life. God, right now, they may be saying, I need grace. I need to drop some stones, and I need grace, but I don't even know how to do that. God, right now, as we're praying, would they click on the button in the chat? Say, would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? And that they would, in this moment, receive prayer from one of our prayer partners online, and God, that that would help them to begin to not just drop the stones, but God, apply grace. Apply grace to others. Apply grace to themselves. God, you don't want us to live in sin and condemnation. You want to apply grace liberally to our lives. Not so we stay the same, but so that we can be changed. So God, I'm asking now by your Holy Spirit that you would heal us and we'd be healed. You would change us and we'd be changed. And would we go this week as distributors of grace? God, no longer throwing stones, but God, everywhere we go, we'd be throwing grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.